Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Second Half Now, a radio show for boomers and beyonders. Tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. With Dr. Dan Critchett and Dr. Denise Hogan. Second Half Now, sponsored by Dignity Memorial and your safe money solutions. It's time for Second Half Now. The doctors are in. Here are your hosts, Dr. Dan and Dr. Denise. And we are welcoming you to part two of the show that we uh, have started. And it is called, uh, for this show, it is called Overcoming Stress and Worry, Yes, You Can. So I am your host, Dr. Dan Critchett, along with our co-host, Dr. Denise Hogan, and we are in studio with Brain Coach Brad, Brad Pendergraft, and he has brought uh, copies for us, thank you for this, Brad, of the new book, The Unworried Brain, Achieve More, Stress Less, and Turn Worry into Action with Practical Brain Science. I like the title and the subtitle. It makes me want to uh, read it and benefit from it and gain everything that we have here. So here you are. Uh, with this book, Brad, and we have gotten started. If anybody is tuning in just to part two, I want to suggest you go back to part one and get the uh, kind of the uh, the foundation that we've already talked about. So it is overcoming stress and worry. Yes, you can. So thanks again, Brad, for coming in, and welcome to Second Half Now. Thanks. I'm excited for the second half of Second Half Now. Yeah, me too, because, uh, you know, we're bridging over from the comments that you've kind of been alluding to and making specifically about Regarding stress, anxiety, and worry, um, there's bad news and there's good news. And I recall you saying on part one that the, uh, however bad you think stress might be uh, treating you, it might be worse than what you even realize. Uh, but there's good news also. So, and you had mentioned that you have a, a story that will kind of kind of bring this home for us. Is that where you'd like to start part two with us? Yeah, absolutely. It's the framing story of my book, The Unworried Brain. Mm-hmm. And I ask people to the readers to actually put themselves in the situation of this person. And so, listeners, if you can do that as well. So if you imagine, if you will, and for some of us this may go back just a little bit, but imagine you can join the story of this woman, Jessica. She's a a graduate student who has just recently entered into an influential graduate school. Really, she's at at the beginning of an ascendant career. Everything is going great for her. She's traveling across the country to this new graduate program that she's been accepted into. Now, Jessica has reached this height through years of hard work and lots of anxiety, lots of last-minute work and pushing herself to the, to the edge, and that has really allowed her to accomplish things. And so even though she has some natural worries as she, as she crosses the country, she really feels some confidence in, being, in what she's been able to do. Her boyfriend's going to join her soon. So everything everything sounds and looks great. Except maybe if you listen to the details of that and relate it to some of your own life, you may hear have heard some of the cracks in there. Mm. Two months later, Jessica's on the phone with me. She's sobbing. She's gotten her first B on an exam, a B on a, on a paper, rather, and she's convinced 
that she can't survive in graduate school. She's working 16 hours a day, and she's not getting anything done. Mm. So what happened? Did she suddenly crumble? No, what happened was that Jessica, so like many pe- so, like so many people, had built an unsustainable future by depending on stress and anxiety to drive her to action. She had reached the edge of what she could accomplish. She had exerted all her resources and was stressed all the time. And then she transitioned into a more difficult situation. And she couldn't sustain that. The worry and stress turned into anxiety and actually interfered with her ability to produce. And if I understand uh, kind of the, the, the direction you're taking here is because the stress and anxiety had become a habit. That's her way, uh, her brain's way of managing the input and then kind of producing, you know, a, a result for mm-hmm. her. It was a habit, right? That's right. Is that okay? And, and, so. and in some ways, like if, like I'm hearing, like a, like a habit, like an addiction kind of habit, mm. she needed though that level of stress and anxiety to propel her to get her to do what she needed to do and now that drug isn't working anymore it's exactly right and she's not alone and it's a really it's a terrible catch-22 in so many workplaces today everybody knows how bad stress is for them at the same time stress is like a badge of honor Hmm. if you're not stressed out People think, hey, you're not working hard enough. Right. And that's a tough situation to be in. You, you, Everybody says, take care of yourself, stress less. But if you actually look unstressed, then people think you must not be working hard right. enough. And if you do yeah. actually take care of yourself, you risk a greater interpretation, a step up from that, that mm, I don't know if you really want to be here. You're not here often enough. That's right, and and Jessica was on the way in her life to another client that I talk about in my book. His name is Ernie, and he didn't see me until he was 70 years old. He heard me speak about the worry and stress, and he came to me and he said, I've been stressed for 50 years since mm-hmm. I first started to work, and now it's in my body. I'm in pain all the time. Wow. Is there even hope for me now yeah. after so long of a habit? Right. Good news is that for both of them, there was hope. But they had to learn how to use their brain the way worry and stress were designed to do. Mm. And that's really where we ended the, the last half of the, or the last part of the first half. And so I'll remind listeners that worry has a purpose. The purpose is to take action. That when you're worrying but not taking action, it's like, in the same way that worry has a purpose, pain has a purpose, right? Yeah. You, pain has a purpose to tell you that something could be hurting you, right? So if you worry but you don't take any action, it's like putting your hand on a hot stove mm. and just leaving it there. Mm. <laughs> right? It'll bubble, it'll blister, but it's... The, the pain isn't doing any good anymore if you ignore it. Mm. Right. And that's the same thing that happens when people have trained themselves to worry even after they've taken action or worry instead of taking action. Right. As if that is going to make it better if I'm just worrying about it. You know, an analogy I use that I think gets after this same thing is if, is if you took a car and you put it down in a pit and put the nose of it right up against the edge of the pit, and then 
put your foot on the accelerator so the engine is going full speed, but the car literally cannot move, is not doing the same thing as if the car were sitting there with the engine off. There's a world of difference going yeah. on in the inner workings of that car. So what you're saying is the old adage is that worrying about it doesn't, doesn't fix it or doesn't help any. But what you're saying is there's something more beyond that. The, the, right. the sense of worry is a trigger or can be if properly uh, coached, right, to actually take some action that will address the circumstances. Am I saying that right? Is that... Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay. That the worry has a purpose in the brain. Right. When we find ourselves worrying, we should immediately recognize that means some action needs to be taken. Mm -hmm. Our brain is pulling information together in the form of worry yeah. to lead us to taking action. And the stress response, which comes along with worry, is the brain's way of marshalling all the resources of the body mm -hmm. in order for us to take mm -hmm. action. Right. When, when our heart starts to race, when our, when our eyes dilate, when our, our system actually, the, the body stops sending resources to our digestive system and our reproductive system and our, our immune system, is because they're not needed right now if we're gonna take this really vigorous action. And so that's how worry and stress are designed to work together in a short-term response. It's always designed to be something that you do immediately. You take action, and then you rest. And in a moment, we're going to talk about how you accomplish that, because most people, they can get the, the worry and the stress part together, sometimes even the action-taken part, but they continue to stay in the stress response mm, right. for way too long. You know, imagine this. Imagine when I when I teach a, about our that stress response. The example I use is of stories you hear about women, a woman, you know, being able to lift something like a car, something heavy, off of somebody. Come on now, I can't lift that. But when when we marshal all of those resources, my goodness, we actually have way more strength than we normally would be able to gather for ourselves. Can you imagine all of what it took from the system in order to be able to output that kind of energy? Wow. But if I keep trying to do it, what's going to happen if I keep on trying to lift that car up? Yeah, it's I not going to work. Its so could we depart just for a minute? I want to talk as a pastor here. When I've talked with people who are um, undergoing stress and worry and anxiety, and when I've been in those spaces myself, what I've done is I find those portions. I particularly love to go to Psalms, and I find some things in there that are particularly calming and reassuring. So is there something of what you're talking about, the brain that uh, is being put into place there when I... When I go to a, a passage from the Psalms, I know, Denise, you and I have talked about this uh, many times. So uh, is, is that part of what the brain functioning uh, that can fit in there? It, it can work as an antidote mm -hmm. to worry, stress, and anxiety. Right. And that's the, really the good news here is that there is an antidote, that the brain is actually designed to use worry and stress effectively and therefore never allow it to get to anxiety but that people have developed habits of using it ineffectively. And like any habit, habits can be changed, but only with difficulty. 
and only when you know how to do it. And that's really what the book's about. Mm -hmm. The book is about a whole set of strategies to follow through the neuroscience-based approach to changing habit. And the easiest way to understand that is through an acronym I use. And I use the acronym of the word FIRE. And the reason I use the word FIRE is because the best summary of today's understanding of neuroscience as it applies to to habit or as it applies to the brain is the idea that that in any circumstance, neurons that fire together wire together. Well, what does that mean? Well, right now it means if you're listening, then in order to understand these words, neurons are firing in your brain. And you're also sitting in some place or standing in some place and you're looking at something. And in order to, to process all that information, neurons are firing. And all those neurons are also making a connection with each other because they're being activated at the same time. Colloquially, we say they're firing. Then they're also connecting, they're wiring, which means that the next time that you're in that exact place, you might actually be reminded of hearing this show because the neurons that that are telling you, oh, I'm in this place again, or I'm in doing this thing, are also the same ones that fired when you were hearing me talk. So that those get connected, they wire together. Mm. I have a great example of this that people in our audience who are mothers or fathers whose child had a favorite toy, a favorite object, a soothing object, a blankie or a stuffed animal, when they first were learning what that little soft thing was, it was also at a time when mom or dad may have been holding them gently, mm. may have been rocking them, they may have been reading a story or having a, a, a bottle, all of those really nice things that make us feel good inside, those are all neurons firing to produce those feelings. And at the same time, we're holding this little teddy bear or lammy or blankie, and so that is firing at the same time too, what that blankie looks like, how it feels. So now when mom and dad take me to Nana's house and my blankie goes with me, when I hold on to that blankie or I touch that little lammy, all those neurons of lammy and blankie are firing, but also all those good feelings that came from mom and dad are firing at the same time. So I feel better. You feel soothed and Because relaxed. of that object, yeah. That's right. Okay, so That's let, right. I want to go through that. Uh, F-I-R-E, uh, it's the fire. That's right. And w one other tying these stories together, one other application of the neurons that fire together and wire together is that this the story about Jessica, the graduate student, she was firing off all these feelings of helplessness and all these feelings of stress and anxiety as that she was continuing to try to advance in her studies. But every time she even thought about her work, she felt more anxious. And But she pushed herself to stay at her desk hours at a time, but she spent most of that time crying and not working. Mm -hmm. Now the neurons of the, of the fear and the sadness are all getting connected to her work. So what do you think is happening to the passion about her studies. It's all getting <laughs> wired into all this pain. Mm -hmm. And Jessica's looking at her calendar and it's time to go study for my test. What used to be exciting because she succeeds when she takes tests and this is her time to shine, now that has changed. Now taking a test is going to show her to be less of an, a student than she believes mm. that she's 
been in the past. She has uh, gained a different habit of how to think and respond, even physiologically. And so what you're saying, Brad, is we can actually change our habits of how we think about these things, whatever it is that's bothering us. That's right. And the same thing with Ernie at age 70, 50 years of feeling stress and connecting that into pain in his body where he was he was hunched over, he was, he was pain, painful all the time. He, he doubted the ability to change the habit of how he thought about his, his life and his, his identity. In both those cases, for Jessica, for Ernie, and for any of us, the first step then in the FIRE process is that we have to, to become aware of a habit. You can't change a habit without telling your brain we actually want to do something different in this circumstance. Remember that I said that a habit is the brain using less energy. And that means that if it's using less energy, it's not using any energy to check every time with your mm-hmm. conscious mind and say, hey, do I want to do this right. this time? Do I want to do it the same or do I want to do it differently? No, it's moving right ahead and just doing it. And that's why the first step in the fire process is the find, F for find. And all that means is you have to teach your brain how to be conscious, to start to make a choice come back at the beginning of what used to be a habit. Oh. And I want to bridge over from uh, what we were doing on part one. I don't think we've uh, brought it up again. Uh, some uh, homework assignment for our listeners that they can do right now. In fact, it's going to make this even more uh, applicable and more real and relevant. And we'll get right back to that after the break. Don't go away. Do you have an elderly parent that is becoming isolated, not eating well, feeling depressed or fearful of losing independence? Do you know your options? Need peace of mind or know what is best for yourself or others during their golden years of life? At no cost to you or your family, Golden Placement Services can give you hope in the midst of great change. Even if it means staying at home is the right option. Call the Golden Girls at 503-723-7145 today. That's 503-723-7145 and schedule your non-obligation appointment today. Helping to plan a funeral for someone you love is a painful process. It's one of the most emotional things you'll ever have to do. But imagine how much grief would be spared if people plan for themselves. Though it may sound difficult or uncomfortable to even think about, the experts at Dignity Memorial Funeral Homes and Cemeteries can help with a free personal planning guide that takes you step-by-step through the process. And of course, Dignity Memorial will even help you complete your plan with the expert assistance of trained and caring advisors. There are a lot of very good reasons to plan ahead. Make sure your final wishes are respected, sparing your loved ones the added grief of planning for you and having to pay for it. If you choose to fund your plan early, you can even lock in current pricing, avoiding increases due to inflation, and take advantage of budget-friendly payments. There is a free informational seminar that includes a complimentary meal at a restaurant in your area very soon. Find out more and ask any questions you may have by calling Katie at 503-807-5715. It costs nothing to learn how you can protect your loved ones by planning ahead. Give Katie at Dignity Memorial a call today at 503-807-5715.
Interest rates are still down, and that means the time to buy is right now. Let 24-7 Properties help you find the right house for your current needs. Jeff and his team, they take the time to get to know you and your unique situation to find the home that's just right for you. Search for available homes online at 247prop.com. I'm Jeff Edmondson, founder of 24-7 Properties. Call me today and let's talk about the type of property you are interested in purchasing. No obligation, no cost. Let's find out what's right for you. Call me, 503 503- 780-3030. And we want to mention as we come back to uh, talking with uh, Brain Coach Brad in the studio here, how much we appreciate our partners and sponsors, and we highly recommend them all. We know them uh, and respect them, and they have high integrity. So in addition to the ones that we've uh, heard just now, we also want to mention Your Safe Money Solutions with um, Toby. And in media marketing, Randy Sanford, uh, Northwest Web Creation Company, Legal Shield and ID Shield, Eastside Printing, Warner Pacific College, Multnomah University, KKPZ, this radio station, Christian Chamber of Commerce Northwest, and Serving Our Neighbors. And uh, again, we highly recommend them and thank them for making all that we're doing here at Second Half Now, which is far more than just a radio show, they make it all possible. So we're going to get right back into what we're talking about, and the name of the show for today is Overcoming Stress and Worry, Yes You Can. So Brad, where do we go next? Oh, I know, I have to, uh, uh, this assignment that you can do right now, anybody that's listening, we did it on part one, and I don't think I've uh, brought it back in on part two, and that is, if you're listening right now, I want you to think about something that is causing you stress or anxiety or worry right now. And I'm sure that none of you are going to say, well, gosh, I just can't think of anything that's causing me any of that stuff. Oh, yes, you can. So pick one, whether it's at work or at home, a relationship. Is it finances? Is it health? You know, what is it that uh, just pick one thing, and we're going to go through this F-I-R-E, this uh, FIRE acronym uh, with Brain Coach Brad and his book, The Unworried Brain. So um, where do we go with it? We started with the fire, which is find that thing that uh, where we're getting off track, right? That's causing our stress and where we find out what it is, that habit, that unhealthy thinking habit. That's right. And the key part of the, of the fire process, the find, is to train the brain to make that conscious, is to, to so that the listener right now is thinking about oh, a time when when you felt worried or stressed or anxious in that circumstance what you I almost certainly have experienced is that that you feel the worry and the stress and the anxiety come up mm-hmm. automatically you don't have to think oh I'm in this situation time to feel worried yeah. <laughs> it just comes up yeah. now that feels like it's because it's coming from outside that the circumstance is bringing the worry or the stress or anxiety with it. That's what it feels like. Right. In the brain, it's actually happening a little differently. In the brain, it's neurons that fire together, wire together. So then past experiences of this, you've felt that worry or stress, and therefore they're wiring more and more strongly together so that the worry and stress comes up even before you get to choose what to focus on. It guides your attention to the, to the fears, to the doubts. And that's the first place to start. You have to first start by teaching your brain, hey, whenever I'm in this situation, I want to notice 
it mm. before I'm all the way through, before I'm already in the midst of the worry and the stress, or before I'm in the anxiety, okay. that notice it as early as possible. What you're describing here, I think, would be helpful for people to understand what a memory really is. Our idea of what a memory is, is that we're remembering an event, and we are, in our mind, perhaps visually recalling that event. But a, a memory really is the all-over event. So a memory of me when I was five and I got a bike for Christmas, my memory is not just, my mind is not putting out in front of me just what that bike looked like. It's also putting out for me to remember what it felt like when I got that bike. So it's all a, a memory contains all of the pieces, the sensory pieces, as well as, well, the visual of a bike is a sensory piece. That's what we see, but we also feel what it felt like. So when we're thinking about this relationship or this person or this this bill that is in the mail now sitting on the table, uh, so what you're saying, Brad, is we want our people to identify that as what is causing the stress and, and bring it up to the front and say, okay, now I'm going to deal with it. That's it's right. finding it. Absolutely. And so here's, a, here's an example, and this actually leads into the further the fire process. This is an experience, again, unfortunately, probably a lot of people can relate to, hopefully not quite at the level of this. I was talking to a couple once who were having massive financial problems. And then we were able to sort out that the heart of it really wasn't a financial problem. The heart of it was really an anxiety problem. Mm. They had so much anxiety wired, linked to their negative financial situation that it was actually leading them to what we would think of as crazy behavior, meaning that they'd get a bill in the mail and there was so much anxiety about even the idea of opening it, that they would set it aside and not open it because they couldn't open it without feeling all this anxiety. Sure, right. Then, even though it was set aside, they, there was so much anxiety about it that they wanted to help themselves feel better, so they would take themselves out to dinner in order to feel better. Oh and spend money. And spend Did money, yes, exactly. Right. Oh, wow. So they were in this, this terrible cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the first thing to do was to to help them alert their brain that at the moment that they saw the bill and the anxiety started to come up, to alert their brain to pay attention to right mm -hmm. at that moment rather than the next morning when they'd say to themselves, why did you, one of them would say to the other, why did you let us go out and, and spend more money last night? Like, wh why did I let us go out? Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that the the... Key thing, the first step there is, is the find process, to tell your brain, to alert your brain, oh, this is not just this condition of anxiety. In this moment, I am responding with these, this habit of feelings in response to, to this bill. Right. Now, there's a, there's a question then, well, how do you do that? How, how do you get yourself to remember to start to do something differently in that circumstance? And... Both of you know me from, from being on the show before, and you know that I think the most powerful way to remind your brain to pay attention in the moment 
is through playfulness, is through joy, is mm. through outrageous, strong emotion. <laughs> and when you get that strong emotion going on, your brain's going to say, hey, I like this. I want to pay attention in these circumstances. So here's what I asked the two of them to do. The first moment that either of them noticed that they were ignoring the bell, the, 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 the male would come in, and they weren't even really conscious of the fact that they, that they were doing this whole process. They were just sorting things out and setting them aside. We'll, we'll open those in, in, in a little bit. The moment that either of them noticed any element of setting the bill aside or any feelings of anxiety or concern coming up, they were to jump up and scream, I noticed it first! I noticed! I noticed it! And the other one was supposed to jump up and go high-five the other first. Right. So, that, so that they created this game where that they, were, they were both watching for how quickly they could notice the sensations of coming up. Now, of course, what happened then is that their brain was really quick almost immediately to start telling them because now they had pulled in all these other connections mm-hmm. of playfulness and fun mm-hmm. and com- competition. And so, but all that was about was enabling them to be able to stop the process before it started. And that really is a place where the find, the F in fire, leads right into the I because the I is to interrupt the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't exactly put a bill aside and pretend it's not there if you're jumping up and running across to your spouse and said, right. I noticed first, yeah. I noticed first. <laughs> right. And therefore, you're already beginning to interrupt the process. And that's the same thing that I taught to both Jessica and Ernie, that to teach them to first start by celebrating their awareness, their first step at the time they would mm-hmm. notice any circumstance where they started to feel stressed or worried, they would celebrate the noticing of it because they wanted to reward their brain for being aware of the process, not being aware of feeling anxious, sorry, not rewarding themselves for feeling anxious, but rewarding themselves for feeling aware mm-hmm. of that being they noticed. anxious. That's right. Yeah. And that then would start to interrupt the process. And once they'd interrupted it, then they could replace it. And so I'll just kind of close the story of Ernie real quickly here. I actually only saw Ernie one time. And yet months later, he contacted me to say he felt 20 years younger. Well, how did that happen? Well, what happened was the first thing I taught him was the moment he noticed the stress or pain in his body, he was to celebrate the noticing of it, Mm. to do a little touchdown dance, even if he could. And and he he told me that that even though people were around, the very first time he noticed this after he told me, he did a little dance, and it made him laugh about it. And then, having found and interrupted it, he was to replace the process. Now, what's the process there? In the past, when he was feeling stressed or pain, he would focus in on the pain and feel really bad about it. Instead, he replaced it with a very simple mindfulness exercise. And there's lots of our listeners have lots of resources to go find mindfulness exercises, and I go into this in detail in the book. But what he did was to just mindfully become aware of his body piece by piece and looking for any part of relaxation in his body, any place that was more relaxed than the rest of it, and then to ask his body to each part to become a little more like that. Mm. It's a very simple process, and it changed his habit 
because now it changed what he was paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And he took those two steps, celebrating the moment he noticed stress, and then taking himself through a process, searching, putting his attention on where he found relaxation in his body instead of pain. And within three months, those two steps by itself had him feeling 20 years younger. Mm. Wow. And processing everything better than, because he, he had, this was habitual thinking, right? And feeling, you feel a certain way because you have been thinking a certain way. So I don't know if I can uh, capture that and put it in uh, layman's terms, uh, Brad, but I really appreciate all of this. And I know uh, we could talk for another hour and not exhaust the subject, obviously. But uh, we've got the book, The Unworried Brain, and you can get that on Amazon, The Unworried Brain, and it'll take you right there. And also you have a companion website just called theunworriedbrain.com. you got some videos and some other uh, teaching and comments about this whole process, right? So um, how are we going to wrap this up? What, uh, what can you tell us? Well, I can tell you that the book itself takes those very quick little strategies I mentioned with Ernie and, mm-hmm. and, and gives a whole set you can think of as a, as a whole smorgasbord of different mm-hmm. strategies for okay. each of the four steps for the find process, for lots of different ways to interrupt, and then lots of replacements. With Jessica, for example, we taught her replacements of how to to replace her very unproductive, stressful way of working with a brain-based productivity style. Taught her how to to replace her language about what was happening Mm -hmm. and her metaphors. And all these Mm -hmm. things together then allowed her to have a completely different experience. And then what both she and Ernie did is that naturally fulfilling the last step in the fire process is that they kept exercising it. They kept mm-hmm. practicing it. Right. As they did it more and more, that became a new, new habit. habit. And Jessica is an example of a fabulous circumstance. Now, now several years later, not only is she very successful and happy in her, in her graduate program, but she has rebuilt a relationship, and she teaches other graduate students these same skills, the first-year graduate students, so they never get into the circumstance Isn't that, wow. that she was in. Wow. Isn't that great? Well, this has such a practical application for everybody because we all have things that stir us up. Worry, anxiety, and stress is just common in our life, whether it's relationships or family or work or finances or the health situation or whatever. So I really appreciate this, Brad. I want to encourage our readers to go to Amazon and order the book, The Unworried Brain, and go to your companion website. Um, is it, is, there's no the in front of it for the website, right? It's just Unworried Brain? Unworriedbrain.com. Dot com. And Perfect. they'll see there me doing video illustrations, a lot of the strategies, and I'll just say a lot of them are very playful and a lot of fun. It's worth going to those just to watch me be kind of funny on those videos. Playful well, I'm is, going. Play, playful <laughs> I'm going is one word. I call it goofy because I've seen some <laughs> of them. But, but good for you. God bless you, Brad. Thank you for coming in second half now. Really appreciate you being here today. It was great. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Thanks Denise. Yeah, and uh, there's more besides the book, um, but there's contact information for Brad. And uh, if none of this uh, made it to your notepad or if you can't remember it, just go to secondhalfnow.com and fill out a contact form and we'll make sure that you get hooked up with Brad uh, and his book. That is our program for today. Thank you very much for listening today. We want you to tune into the radio part, the on-air portion, every Monday, 5.30 to 6 p.m. 
on KKPZ 1330. And then, of course, around the clock and around the world, all of our uh, podcasts and everything is available on our website. So that is it. I'm your host, Dr. Dan Critchett, along with our co-host, Dr. Denise Hogan, saying goodbye for now. And until next time, may God help you live a life that honors Him and blesses others. Let's meet again. Podcast on our website or live next Monday, 5.30 p.m. on the radio, KKPZ 1330, The Truth. Thanks for listening to Second Half Now with Dr. Dan Critchett and Dr. Denise Hogan on KKPZ 1330, The Truth. Sponsored by Dignity Memorial and your safe money solutions. To hear the rest of this program, find out more about the topics discussed today, or ask questions, visit secondhalfnow.com. That's secondhalfnow.com. Tune in next Monday at 5.30 p.m. for more tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. Until then, visit secondhalfnow.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.